John chapter 3, verse 1, many of us could quote much of these scriptures, but allow me to read it in your hearing. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Does anybody sense just the Spirit moving in this room tonight? You know why? Because there are people of the Spirit in the room tonight. And when people of the Spirit connect with the God that gives that Spirit, we become a Spirit-saturated environment, and God has a purpose and a plan every time. He doesn't intend for us to live in the natural realm. He doesn't intend for us to live in the fleshly realm because that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And the reason the room feels different tonight is because there's a group of people that have gathered together. We may be here in the flesh, but I tell you what, we are here more in the spirit. There is something dynamic that's occurring. Maybe we can meet some natural needs in the natural, but there is a dynamic, supernatural move that's occurring in this room there is a wind blowing where it listeth there's a sound that's speaking where you hear it not with a natural ear but with a supernatural ear that which is born of flesh is flesh but that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not that I say unto thee ye must be born again because you're missing out on a great opportunity you're missing out on that supernatural experience if you never take advantage of a supernatural birth you must be born again the wind blows where it listeth thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? I'd like to speak for a few moments tonight on the born again blessing. The born, the born again blessing. Would you put your Bible down and lift your hands up? And let's just pause in the presence of God for a moment. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this room. I ask Jesus that our words wouldn't be stale, they wouldn't be sore, they wouldn't be lacking. God, they wouldn't be listing tonight, but I pray, God, that your word would be declared with authority, with power. I pray that you would deliver. I pray that you would set free. I ask Jesus that somebody that came in the flesh would leave walking in the spirit. I pray that someone that walked in in the natural would walk out in the supernatural. I'm praying tonight that somebody would recognize and realize the opportunity that exists in a room full of supernatural opportunity. I pray, Father, tonight that we would leave with the blessing that you have in store for every one of us. Don't let us leave without being touched by your presence, your power, and your deliverance. We ask in your precious name. Would someone just say, in Jesus' name? You may be seated this evening. 
Thank you for standing together with me. Thank you for worshiping the Lord. Thank you for giving. I saw that text come in from Eric, 25,000, almost 25,000. My jaw dropped. So excited about what God is doing through all of you. I'm grateful to be part of a church that doesn't end here but goes on beyond. Amen? Did you know they actually uh, have identified a syndrome based on birth order? Specifically, the firstborn syndrome. And they've developed this syndrome to explain the actions and reactions of the oldest siblings in families. I think most of us know this. Firstborns often have the feeling that they um, are privileged. I'm a firstborn, so I can speak to us. They, uh, they uh, are easily hurt when things don't go their way. They begin to do some things sometimes. And, and if you look to children, they press for more attention. Firstborns will press for attention. They compete with their siblings for parents' attention. And uh, parents tend to think that this is just children's personality. But according to the psychologist, it's more than, uh, it's more than just personality. It's environmental. It occurs because of the environment that we place our children in. We create that kind of personality in firstborn kids. Kids aren't born like that. We bring it out in them. It begins when that child is born. Now think of me. If you have two children in your family, if you're maybe the first or second, if you're part of a family that had more than one child, um, that first child, there is a picture of just about everything that happens. There is. There's a picture of the almost first step. There's a picture of the first time they taste adult food. There's a picture of the first time they try an orange. There's a picture of the first time they get their hair cut. There's a picture of the first time that they take their first step. Uh, maybe I'll go beyond in the 20th century, 21st century. There, there's a video. There's a video of, uh, of the first firsts of every first that occurs, if you know what I'm talking about. And then we get to the second born child, Justin. There's about 700 pictures of Kristen in our credenza. There's about five of Justin. So somehow, in the natural realm, you understand that we tend to create this environment where a firstborn has a sense of entitlement, of privilege, of opportunity. The first year goes by with them feeling like the center of the universe, and by the time they're into their terrible twos, they believe that they're entitled to all this attention, and then they demand it. Why? Because we created that little monster. The reality of that happening in the natural, we see it. And of course, we all make dynamic changes in, in, the, in the family so that we can accommodate and, and everything kind of balances out after a little bit of time. But the reality in the Old Testament was that the firstborn was entitled. The firstborn was entitled to the birthright. The firstborn was entitled to the blessing. Their birth order came with entitlement. Special privileges and advantages belonged to the firstborn son among the Jews. He became the priest of the family. He was entitled to the double portion of parental inheritance. Deuteronomy 21, verse 15 to 17. The, the firstborn inherited the judicial, judicial authority of his father. The authority of the father was passed on to the firstborn son. And that became this order that happened in Israel. And, and that privilege was given and it was understood and nobody challenged it or nobody questioned it except God. Somehow in scripture, even though this 
uh, spiritual responsibility should have been a hallmark of the patriarchs. When we begin to look into scripture, we see a trend that begins to unfold. It starts with Cain and Abel. God accepts Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's. The Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, the firstborn. And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. One was a shepherd, the other a farmer. And verse 3 says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flocks and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel. And God passes over the firstborn and accepts the secondborn's offering. And all of a sudden, the shock wave travels through the family, and Cain is upset. He is shocked that God has not given respect to his offering, and he's mad, and his countenance has fallen. He, he's the firstborn. He's had the attention all along. Everything that he's done garnered the attention of his dad, of his mom. Every step that he made along the way, he's had their eye. He's had their ear. Now, all of a sudden, when he offers his offering to God, God steps over him and accepts Abel's offering, but doesn't regard the offering that Cain gives. That's a calamity. It's a challenge to the, to the authority that should be there. It's this misunderstanding, perhaps, and Cain doesn't know what's happening. Cain refused to make a resolution, and Abel's offering, his accepted offering, becomes such a breakdown in the brotherhood that we see the result of the first bloodshed in humanity, and Cain literally takes his brother's life. He can't accept the fact that his brother has taken priority over him it's not just Cain and Abel if you'll move ahead through scripture Genesis chapter 16 and 17 the plot thickens with Abraham and in the face of impossibility he faces down the promise that God has given to him and he said it must be that I have to take this into my own hands and he chooses his wife's Egyptian handmaid named Hagar and his firstborn son Ishmael is born Abraham has acted and accomplished according to human ability, not according to God's plan. But God's not finished because he meets Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 19. And God told Abraham, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. Don't give up, Abraham. I'm not finished yet. You've got your firstborn, but I'm not finished yet. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And it doesn't make sense to Abraham because shouldn't it be that God is working with Ishmael? As a matter of fact, if you'll read through that chapter, Abraham is literally calling out to God on Ishmael's behalf. But God says, just a moment, I'm stepping over the boundary. I'm stepping over the barrier because I have a purpose and a plan for your second born. I've got a purpose and a plan for Isaac. You may have acted on your own behalf. Isaac is of the flesh, but Israel is of the spirit. It's going to be a supernatural birth. It's going to be a miraculous birth. It's going to be an incomparable birth. Nobody's going to be able to understand it in the natural realm. They're going to have to know that God was at work for that second birth. So hold on, Abraham. As a matter of fact, God said, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I blessed him. I'll make him fruitful. I'll multiply him. Twelve princes he's going to beget. And I will make him a great nation. But, verse 21, but 
my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Abraham, don't give up because I'm not finished. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to confuse the many around you. I'm going to confuse Israel because I'm stepping over Ishmael and I'm blessing Isaac. I'm moving past the firstborn to bless the second birth. I'm moving fast past the firstborn because I have a plan and a purpose for Isaac. He said, I am going to establish my covenant with Isaac one year from now. You're going to see that this word that I've given you is true. And it isn't just Ishmael and Isaac. If you'll continue on through the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 41 and verse 50, you'll find that Joseph, there were two sons that were born to him in the years of famine. He said that Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God said, he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God had blessed him to be fruitful in the land of his affliction. One was meant to cause him to forget or remind him that he had been had cause to forget. But the second was to remind him that he had caused, been caused to be fruitful. That even in Egypt, God had allowed Joseph to forget about the, all the wrong that had been done to him. God had allowed him to forget that he was away from his father's house. That God had allowed him to forget all that. But, but he is also made to understand that God could make him fruitful in the land of the affliction. This is just a little aside tonight, but I want somebody to know that in the land of this affliction that we're walking through right now, God can do two things. He can make us forget about the challenges that we're facing, and he can cause us to be fruitful in this land of our affliction. Regardless of what we're seeing, regardless of what, com what comes down the pipe, regardless of what restrictions, recommendations we get in the next week, I want someone to know God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has fruitfulness in the midst of this affliction. God has revival in the midst of this affliction God's got opportunity come on the opportunity that God says is in our midst that door hasn't been slammed shut it's not locked it's ready to be open I'm speaking it over Gabon sister Colleen I'm declaring it over Guatemala brother Brad I'm believing that God can bring affliction in great great promise in great affliction God can do that. And it came time for Joseph's sons to be blessed. Jacob, his father, was almost at the end of his life. And Jacob makes the declaration before he ever meets the children. He says to Joseph, he said, Thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Jacob literally adopts Joseph's children to become a part of the promised tribe that God would give to Israel. His children would now include two of his grandchildren, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so Joseph wants their lives to be blessed by their father, their new parental figure, their new parental authority, their new patriarch. And Jace, Joseph takes them both and 
He brings Ephraim to his father. It said, the Bible is very specific. He said, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand. And Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand. And he brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head. Guiding his hands wittingly. He said he knew what he was doing for Manasseh was the firstborn. But yet he passed over the firstborn to bless the one that had been born second. Those hands that had held on to the angel until the blessing came were the hands that reached out. Those hands that had held onto his thigh when it was dislocated from his hip from that wrestling until the blessing came reached out into that void between he and his grandchildren and he crossed them in the midst of that activity and he began to bless the second born over the first. That authority that he had gained, the right to now be called a prince because he had power with God and with man. He had prevailed in the moment of challenge and trouble. That hand was now reaching out past the firstborn to bless the secondborn. Joseph doesn't understand. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't see exactly what's happening, but his father continues. It says that he, Israel, blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all along my life until this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads and let my name be upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. He said, that blessing, I'm going to rest them on the children. But Joseph, he's still concerned because his dad has, has he's, he's missed the mark. He, his dad has stepped over the boundary. He's, he's mistakenly went over the barrier. He, he shouldn't be blessing the secondborn. He, he needs to bless the firstborn. Maybe he's just got it wrong. Maybe he's just mixed up. Maybe his age is working again against him right now so so when Joseph sees that that his father had laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim it displeased him and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head and Joseph said to his father not so my father for this is the firstborn put thy right hand upon his head and his father refused and said I know it my son I know it he also, he also shall become a great people, and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become of the multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, and thee shall Israel bless, saying, God shall make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. He mixed up the birth order. He, he allowed the blessing to rest on the one that was second born, and the firstborn was all, he was blessed, but he didn't have the double portion blessing that was coming why why did all that happen you begin to see a bit of a parallel in scripture you know that that, that that's not the way it's supposed to be you know we have it in scripture Joseph's upset dad you got it wrong you got this mixed up you got this messed up but Joseph wasn't operating in the natural realm Joseph uh, Jacob wasn't operating in the natural realm Jacob was operating in the supernatural realm and Jacob knew that God had a purpose and God had a plan. He wasn't being led by the flesh. He wasn't being led by man's laws, man's order. But rather, God had a purpose and a plan. Can I remind somebody that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? We're going somewhere tonight. Hang with me for a few minutes. So often we know about all of our shortcomings and our insufficiencies in the natural. The truth is, our first birth is the one 
of everything that the psychologists know is true. It's selfish. It's sinful. That first birth that we've all had. The psalmist said it before the psychologists did. They said it like this. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That scripture is an eternal death sentence if we are bound to our first birth. That scripture is an eternal death sentence for every one of us. It's a declaration of hopelessness. It's a declaration of sinfulness. It's a declaration that eternity in heaven is not ours to gain. However, if we can see what God does in the supernatural, I think he can allow us to see the picture that when the enemy would come in as an accuser of the brethren and he says, look, I got a ton of wrong on this person right now I got a whole list of wrongdoing and I, I've come to bring the accusation I've come to bring the wrongdoing and I'm going to lay it at the feet of their first birth it's because they were born in sin and they were shaping in iniquity and the enemy comes in with that list of accusation I feel the Holy Ghost right now that God has a plan a greater plan, a bigger plan, because even though we were shaped in, in iniquity and, and in sin did our mothers conceive us, God has a plan to reverse the curse. God has a, not just that, God has a plan to bring blessing in the midst of cursing. God has a plan to release promise in the midst of problem. God has a plan in that moment when all of those sins add up against us. God said, hold on, I'm not finished yet. I've got a purpose. I've got a divine design. If you looked in scripture, sure you are bound to that first birth experience you are bound to that first birth sin you are bound to that first birth first birth problem but let me tell you what God does God said I'm not going to hold you in account to your first birth I've got an opportunity waiting it's called the second birth and that's why he told Nicodemus you must be born again It begins to make sense that God allowed the second birth to take precedence over the first birth through Scripture. It makes sense now that God would overlook Esau to accept Abel. It makes sense now that God would overlook Ishmael to accept Isaac. It makes sense now that Jacob would cross his hands to bless the boys of Jacob because it was a picture of the coming covenant that God, that would allow God to step over all of our sinful birth to accept our spiritual birth. Can, can I just remind us, such were some of you, but you are washed. Can I remind just a few of us tonight that we don't have to go very far back in our family tree to find the problem, to see where God intervened, to remind us of what God did. I don't want to be held account to all the problems of our past. Let me tell you, I am grateful tonight that God gave us a second opportunity. He is the God of a second chance. He's the God of a second opportunity. And he's the God of a second birth for us today marvel not Nicodemus he said Nicodemus you should know more than anybody Nicodemus you know the story of Esau you know the story of Abel you know the story of Cain and Abel you know the story why would it surprise you that the opportunity it's not a demand it's not an impossibility it's an opportunity that I'm giving you you must be born again if we could just let that sink in for a few moments tonight. It doesn't matter what our history 
or our heritage, whether it's incredible or awful, legendary or illegal, your first birth, your first birth doesn't matter to God, but your second one does. That's why we preach what we preach. It's not a burden to bear. It's a blessing to receive. Why would you want to miss out on that? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. John chapter 3, he cannot. Verse 5, Jesus answered, said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's not a coincidence that Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached what he preached. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you. Wait. Pause. Back up. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Water. Spirit. We might as well go back to Bible study tonight. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call them. With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still preaching about 3,000 souls that were added to the church because somebody was willing to say, you need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Men and women still have the opportunity to leave the old life behind. And talking about identity theft, you know what? Every one of us want to wish to God that he thieves the identity of our old life. And walks us into a brand new life. I don't want the old life identity. I don't want the old life idea. I don't want the old life mentality. I don't want that first birth. I don't want that. I want to be identified by my next birth. I want to be identified as the opportunity that God brought into a home that was hopeless. I, I want to be identified as an opportunity that it shouldn't have deserved what it got. But all of a sudden, God moved in and turned things around. That's where I'd rather be identified because if I go back to that first birth experience, if I go back to that flesh experience, that, that fleshly birth, and I tell you, it's a hopeless end. But when I step over into that brand new second birth, the door opens wide up for opportunity in Christ. I'll never forget the baptism in the, in the water. I won't forget the baptism in the spirit. Why? Because God transformed my life. I was no longer identified by what we were. I'm now identified by what I will become. And you and I have the same opportunity. It's the second birth blessing. I'm thankful that God didn't put his hand on my first life experience and say, well, we're going to have to try and work with what he's got we're gonna have to try and work with all the insufficiencies we're gonna have to try and step over all the sin I'm so grateful that God said I'll tell you what we're gonna do we're gonna change it up in the Holy Ghost we're gonna step over all the wrongdoing of the first life we're gonna step into the second birth and we're gonna have a brand new 
the start. We're going to have a brand new slate. We're washed clean by the blood of Calvary. We aren't identified by what we are. We're identified by who we have become. That's why Romans 6 said, we're buried with him by baptism into death. We're going to make sure that that old man is gone. We're going to make sure that that first birth experience doesn't exist by law. It's stamped out. It's removed. It's in, come on, it's just invisible. Come on, that's what the Holy Ghost does. That's what baptism in Jesus' name does. I'm glad the first birth Jack Lehman died in the tank of baptism. I'm glad we buried him. It was repentance that brought us into that experience. It was the water baptism that made sure he was dead and gone and wasn't coming back. But that opened up the opportunity for God to say, now watch what happens with the second birth. And when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I won't forget it. Brother James Dudley was praying for me. I was seeking the Holy Ghost. And I'll remember when he filled me with his precious spirit. Why? Because I was born again. Come on, it's there in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. We just read about it. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' household. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came to Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we as well? Come on, is there any reason when we, when we see God? I know it's the Gentile nation. God, we, we don't anticipate, we don't expect that you're going to, but God reaches out and he crosses the dividing line. He crosses the barrier. We, we preached about a little bit in the multicultural service, but God does that work and he blesses the Gentile nation. We should never have received, but we can because of the second birth. We should never have participated, but we can because of the second birth. We should never have what we have, but we can because of the second birth. We can come back to the music. As a matter of fact, why don't you get ready to sing the first song you sang tonight? Acts chapter 19. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? He said, Have you stepped into the second birth or are you still walking around in the first birth? Are you still being identified by who you are? Or are you ready to be identified by who God is calling you to be? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you allowed that transformation to take place? Have you allowed him to fill you with his spirit? Because don't marvel, you've got to be born again. It's the opportunity. It's not a demand. It's a, it's a privilege that God have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? 
And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with water unto repentance, uh, baptism unto repentance, of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized. Don't you love the word? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you're looking for a scripture, if you're looking for precedent, if you're looking for the way that we've got to do it, it's all there. It's right there. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. That still happens today. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say we're some exclusive club. I'm saying that the opportunity is available to everybody. Let's all stand together. The born again blessing exists for the every one of us, for the whosoever will that is willing to repent be baptized in his name and receive his spirit. Marvel not that we would say in this pulpit in 2020 that you must be born again. Don't marvel that there's water in the tank 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't marvel, I'll tell you why. Because we still believe that you've got to be born again. Marvel not, as a matter of fact, we don't even let you have the excuse that you got to go home and get a change of clothes because we know how we know how the devil works and we know how people work. We've got robes ready and the tanks ready. It just needs a heart that says I'm ready to turn my life around. Why? Because I've got to be born again. Why have I got to make this change? Because God is waiting to let his blessing rest on me. Did you realize? Did you see what happens through scripture how that that second born who was never supposed to be a receiver of a double portion who wasn't supposed to be the one that would inherit the promise the one that would have that authority and privilege in his family that that transition that transferred when those patriarchs would change the order and God stepped over why? Because the first birth didn't matter to him. The second birth did. And that picture is laid out in Scripture from the first son on. And it travels down through the bloodline. It travels down through the Word of God into this room tonight. And God is still calling and encouraging someone to say, I'm ready to bless your second birth. I'm ready to bless your life because if you'll, come on, if you'll put away the first birth, then I can do something with the second birth. Your life can dramatically transform because of the power of the second birth birth experience marvel not that I say to you you must be you've got to be you have to you got to I don't know how else to say it there's no other words I've got in my vocabulary but you can't miss out on the opportunity to be born again you can't afford to miss out on that father I'm so thankful I'm asking Jesus that 
if there is somebody under the sound of our voice, it may be local in this room, it may be, on, be beyond in web class land or live view land right now, but I'm asking Jesus that somebody would make their mind up. I can't live like this anymore because I don't have to. There's an opportunity on the other side of my second birth. There's an opportunity on the other side of me being born again. There's an opportunity just waiting for me. And I don't want to miss that. Jesus, I pray that the conviction of the Holy Ghost would rest in this room and that somebody would make a decision to turn their life around. They may have been in this 40 years or may have been in this 40 minutes. We don't know. But God, we know that you want to turn their lives around. And that happens, Jesus, when we repent, when we're baptized in water, God, in your name, and when we're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for that privilege today. I thank you for that opportunity. I thank you for that gift that you called into our lives. Would you just make that prayer very personal? God, turn my life around. God, turn my life around. Come on, there's an identity shift that's going to occur. There's, there's an opportunity. There's a transition that's happening in the room right now. Come on, there's a turnaround that's occurring. I need every believer to begin to pray for a moment.